The following podcast is brought to you by Pro Wrestling Connect, Australia's newest choice for event management and brand development specialising in pro wrestling. And now, now the B Plus Wrestling Podcast. Watch global. global. Support local. local. It's the B Plus Wrestling Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Wrestling Landscape Podcast. I am your host, Lance Larson. The Wrestling Landscape Podcast is the casual wrestling podcast, the informal wrestling podcast and on today's episode i am drinking french press coffee cannot remember what kind because i bought it a couple weeks ago but it's what i'm drinking Mm. so it's not alcohol but it has caffeine today's episode is our continuing coverage of this big ass weekend in toronto ontario canada in the world of wrestling have an episode reviewing Ring of Honor's Summer Supercard, which is up now on the B Plus Podcast Network feed. You can go ahead and find that. Today we're talking about TakeOver and have a few more episodes about this weekend coming up for you soon from both the Wrestling Landscape and the B Plus Podcast. So this TakeOver Toronto show, happening on Saturday, August the 10th, is a very interesting show for me. I had mixed thoughts about it coming out of it. After reading some tweets, seeing some other people's thoughts, I think it helped clarify and sharpen what I thought about it. I want to talk about some of that. Before we get in, though, I want all the listeners to know I did think this was a thumbs-up show. My mixed thoughts or mixed feelings coming out of the show are not an indication that, oh, I'm not sure if it was a good show or not. It was a good show. It was a thumbs-up show. If I bought a ticket, I would have felt like I got my money's worth. Did not feel like I wasted three hours watching this show. So anything negative I say, do not misconstrue that. But I feel like NXT is kind of in a weird place. We'll talk about that as we go along. Um... The main event especially. But we'll we'll start from the bottom, as we usually do, with the opener. Obviously, there were two pre-show matches taped for NXT's show next week. We will not talk about those. We will talk about those uh, after next week's episode. We're just going to wrap up everything going on here in Toronto this week. Because, obviously, it was already taped, but it's the last thing to air. Um, from the WWE side of things, at least. The... Uh, OWE stuff, Progress stuff, WXW stuff. Those will be coming out on Fight and various VODs in the coming weeks, I would assume. But for the WWE side of things, this upcoming Wednesday's NXT will be the last Toronto stuff. So we'll talk about that when we get there. The opener on the TakeOver proper was the Street Profits against the Undisputed Era team of Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly. For the NXT Tag Team Championships. So, this was 
a very good match. I really enjoyed it. Wrong. I'm wrong. <laughs> Strong and O'Reilly. That really made me laugh. Strong and O'Reilly are probably one of my favorite tag teams out there. Almost any two-person combination from the Undisputed Era is a high-up tag team for me. I enjoy all four of those guys. I like the Undisputed Era gimmick. Almost any two people from that team is an awesome tag team. Strong and O'Reilly, now that, um... Oh, I'm sorry. Jesus Christ, Bobby Fish. Why the fuck did I write Roger Strong teamed with O'Reilly? Holy fuck. I am so sorry. Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly teamed to challenge Street Profits for the NXT titles. Oh, it's been, it's a long wrestling weekend already. We're not even at SummerSlam yet. From when I'm recording this. So, uh, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly are now the tag team focus from Undisputed Era. Now that Bobby Fish is back from surgery, fully back in the swing of things, he's definitely taken that tag team role with O'Reilly for the team. Which makes sense, because they were a tag team on the indies called Red Dragon. And they are very good together. So, they were challenging Street Profits for the tag titles. So it was a very good match. Really enjoyed a lot of the work. Um, four stars, maybe four and a quarter for me. If you want to do the star rating thing. Um, now, as much as I like this match, and this was very much a, um, I don't know if stereotypical is the right word, but a common NXT TakeOver tag title opener, if that makes sense. Like, picture the structure of a lot of those, and this was exactly that. Um, with the, you know, the really hot tons of, spots what was called like indie-rific almost a few years ago without the negative connotations like a lot of the big spots in the third act everyone hits a big move everyone's lying down waiting for the crowd to cheer and chant this is awesome like a lot of that stuff if anyone is a big fan of nxt these days and shits on indie wrestling you're a fucking idiot because nxt is basically indie wrestling now what indie wrestling was five years ago I will not get on that soapbox. Um, but it was very much that. It was very good. I do like that style. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, this was not where the NXT tag division used to be. Now, it's still... These guys had a very, very good match. But NXT has had some unreal tag team title matches over the last few years. Think about DIY, The Revival, American Alpha, Undisputed Era, Mustache Mountain... Uh, War Raiders were good in there. AOP was just kind of there. I don't really know how much they contributed to the awesomeness of it. But obviously there's been some killer tag title matches of the last few years in NXT. This was very, very good. Not quite at that level. So I don't know what that means for the future of the NXT tag division. Because um, Forgotten Sons certainly aren't going to up that level at all. Breezango's back in NXT. They'll have some good matches. Um, Undisputed Era's, you know, in some way, shape, or form going to be in the mix. Although, who knows how long they're going to be in NXT, or if they'll do a split-up angle or whatever the fuck. So I'm very curious about the future of the NXT Tag Team Division. Street Profits are a babyface tag team. It would seem that Forgotten Sons would be the next heel tag team push to challenge, which would be a travesty. I really hope that's not where they're going, but it's like... Typically, that's what you'd think. I do think the uppers at NXT, like the, the people that run NXT, not drugs, the 
upper management at NXT are aware that Forgotten Sons maybe aren't as over as they had hoped. And I don't know if they'd necessarily go that direction. I feel like a lot of times they're smarter than that. But we'll see. The future of the NXT tag division is not as bright as its past, but that doesn't mean it won't be good. Also, in these kind of tag matches, I'm gonna, I am gonna get on one soapbox here about a pet peeve of mine. Listen. I don't ever want to hear about any kind of WWE supporter about bitching that other wrestling companies out there are just high spots, no psychology, no storytelling. Lose my mind. Do you want to know why? Because awesome matches that take place under the WWE umbrella, like on NXT, have a lot of those same traits that people criticize outside matches for. Now, I'm not criticizing the psychology of this match necessarily, not criticizing the storytelling, but this was very much like one of those high-spotty indie matches that people used to shit on. Thankfully, I have not heard those kind of arguments in a long time. Part of that is I'm much, I much more carefully curate which circles I endeavor to online. I rarely get on Wrestling Reddit anymore, and I have blocked and muted so many people on Twitter that I'm sure I just don't see those tweets anymore. So maybe I see less of those arguments because they're less around, or because I just have stopped, I have shielded myself from them. I don't know which, but I'm sure there's some people out there still making those dumbass arguments, and if they are, they're not paying attention. Secondly, this is, and this, this is the pet peeve soapbox I want to get on. That first, that first point was just a thought. <laughs> Secondly, you have to pick in a tag match whether you are going to have tags or whether it's going to be a tornado match. You cannot have both. You cannot have your cake and eat it too. You cannot have through the heat segment tags just so you can have your fucking heat segment because we're WWE and we tell stories and our matches make sense. And then in the third act, have all four men in the ring for God knows how long without the ref counting to five on either illegal man. Pick one. Have tags or just have it be tornado. You can't have tags in the first two thirds of the match and not have tags in the last third. Pick one. I hate it. You can't have it to just get heat. And then not have it so you have a fun, exciting, hot, spotty third act. Pick one. Or at least have everyone in the ring under the five-second count. The refs count so fucking slow anyway, you can still do a bunch of cool four-man shit in the five seconds that the ref is counting to get the illegal men out. Like, work around it. The ref wasn't even fucking counting. Couldn't believe it. I'm sure if the Revival are listening, they'd be on my side. Because they're the fun guys on Twitter that complain about that stuff too, so. Here's to them. Okay, um, I also think it was smart to have the... Oh, I don't even think I've said the result yet. Street Profits won. They retained. I think it's smart. They just got the tag belts at the last takeover. Had a nice, cool match against Overheels for their first title defense. It would have been too soon to take it off them. Unless you were doing a very specific story with, like, Undisputed Era getting all the belts or something... It would it would have been a bad move to take the belts off the Forgotten Sun or I'm sorry the Street Profits here, <laughs> in my opinion. So glad they won. It's definitely the right call. I don't know how long of a reign I'd want on them. Uh, I think I'd be more okay with it if they lost it at next takeover. 
I think maybe I didn't really prefer they retained it next takeover and, you know, they can lose it any time there. But we'll see. It all depends on what stories you have to tell afterwards. If you don't have anything big, keep it on them for a little bit. Don't hurt the belts. Don't hurt them. Keep it on them for a little bit. If you have something very specific in mind that you want to do, I think next takeover would be okay to take it off them. Just depends on what you have upcoming next. So for the next match on the card, we had Io Shirai defeating Candice LeRae in a one-on-one grudge match. I saw people on Twitter call this the match of the night. And I saw that. I was like, oh man, was it really? And I started thinking about it. And it might be. It really got my noodle going. I was like, shit, this might be the match of the night. Maybe I'll make up my mind as we go along. But uh, So the first half of this match, we'll say first half, was definitely on the slower end. The crowd was not super into it. Doesn't mean the first half of this match was bad. It was technically fine. Fine. Made sense. So it didn't suck. It's just bland. And then the second half of the match picked up like a motherfucker. And the crowd really started getting into it. And by the time the match ended, you're like, fuck, that was a great match. Because it was. It was a great match. Now, not even necessarily that the pace picked up in the second uh, act. But just a little bit more of the creativity. Obviously, some of the bumps were, bumps were bigger. That's generally how matches go. Usually, there's bigger bumps later on in the match. You kind of want to build and climax. Other than the inciting incident or the comeback. But even the comeback's in the second half of the match. So, yeah. Really, other than the inciting incident, most of the big bumps are going to be in the later half of the match anyway. So, um, Io Shirai debuted a new submission finisher to get the win in this match. Which is fine. I am all for people having... A, you know, finisher that leads to a pin and a submission finisher. I think that's great for people to have both. I think that's smart for people to have both. With a few exceptions, obviously. But I think you can do a lot more with finishes and protecting certain finishers while also having people not lose to certain finishers to add some excitement. So I think having, like, two different finishers like that is very, very smart. Because you can work it to protect some while still... Uh, giving believable false finishes in others. So a big fan of that. I don't think debuting it on a takeover was a smart idea. Because the, uh, the crowd's obviously ice cold to it. I think maybe if she had won a few squatches leading up with that submission. To at least establish it somewhat. So that people watching TV know they're like, oh shit. She's beating two or three people with this new submission. And when she locks it on, you're like, oh fuck, here it is. So that's maybe the only difference I would have done is debuted it a little early, so we kind of knew what it was coming. And I'm sure they said the name of it. I didn't even catch the name of it. I'm sure the commentator said it, and I just missed it. But like, I didn't even catch the name of it. That way, like, by the time she locks on this finisher, we have a name, we know it's a finish, and just, I don't know, establishes it more strongly, in my opinion. Um, Io Shirai winning is interesting because it establishes Io as a high-level heel in the NXT Women's Division. So when Io won... I was pretty sure that, spoiler alert, Shayna Baszler was going to lose later on. But Shayna Baszler didn't lose laser later on. Because now, like, the two most highly positioned women in NXT are both heels. And so I just thought that was a very, very curious decision. Is Io going to challenge the next takeover? Like, it was surprising to me that they didn't want to either make a new babyface to challenge the top heel... Or have the heel drop it to a baby face and make a new top heel. Because now it just seems like the top two women are heels. So I don't know if Mia's going to challenge again. I've seen that suggested. Clearly they don't see too much money in Candice LeRae 
Because she, this is her first time on TakeOver proper. And it was a loss. She's been with NXT for a while. She's been on one proper TakeOver in a match. And she lost. About says where they see her. I don't know if they're just waiting to move Johnny up before they give her any kind of push. I don't know if they just didn't want to push them at the same time for whatever the fuck reason. I don't know. They're WWE. They're weird. But Larray is not exactly being treated favorably. Which, well, like, it's, it's, I completely understand them taking a while to push her. Like, if they waited so not to push her, that's fine. They were doing a lot of other stuff. I get it. But it's like, if you're not going to push her now, when the fuck are you going to get around to it? I think she's excellent. I think she's very, very good. So it can't be skill level. She's very short. I don't, that can't be it. Like, they push her like some bliss, like a mofo on the main roster. But again, you have different people overseeing them, so. I don't know. I don't know what they don't see in Loray. I get why EO won that... Like that, she's still newer. She lost her first takeover match. Getting her a big win here makes sense, especially as a new heel. So I, I, I get that, but fuck, if they don't do something with Candace soon, I don't, I don't know if they have anything planned for her really in general. Um, next we had Killian Dane and Matt Riddle having a brawl in the middle of a takeover. Which is now what I watch takeovers for. It was a waste of time. I just... Like, it heated up the feud a little bit. I guess I'm a little more excited to see that match on TV whenever the fuck it happens. But it's like, I want my takeovers to be a nice tight show with five good matches that clocks in at just under three hours. Like, that is what I love about takeovers. Always five matches, almost always sub three hours. And when it is over three hours, it's very rare. It's only a little bit. And like this was too, I think this was like 309 was this takeover. So it's not like it, you know, made a three and a half or whatever. But it's not what I want on my takeovers. This, this, in my opinion, this wasted my time. I'm not even going to get into the complicated dynamics of a Dane Riddle feud anyway. Talked about a few weeks ago, Dane's re-debut on an NXT. Usually you want that person to get a win. Although Tyler Breeze didn't, so maybe that's their philosophy. But Riddle's someone that they're slow burn pushing. So it's not like you want him to eat a loss. So I don't really know what the fuck they're doing with this feud anyway. Next, we had the triple threat match for the NXT North American title. I think secondary singles titles are stupid. They don't make any sense. Why would someone go after the North American title instead of the NXT title? Why would someone go after the NXT title of North American title? It doesn't make any fucking sense. Because the North American title is, you know, as we all know, non-kayfabe, is below the NXT title, why would anyone go for that? It's like going for the AFC Championship and not the Super Bowl. What the fuck? Doesn't make any sense. Anyway. All that aside, this was a really good match. Dream, obviously, is over. Great at his character. All the usual stuff about Velveteen Dream. Showed it again here. He is... It's tough to say if he's improving or not as a worker. So, like, on one level, like, yes, he obviously is. Like, he himself is a better worker than he was two years ago. Like, that's without a doubt. How much he is refining that good work was tougher to tell in this match because it was a three-way, and the other two are very, very good. And I'm not a worker. I'm not a trainer. I'm not a scout. Can't necessarily see all the small things that separate good workers from great workers. So, for me personally, it was tough to see how much he had improved. I would like to see him in a one-on-one -on -one match. Maybe with someone who's, uh, maybe not as great as Riddle or Strong, just to kind of see what he can do. I'd actually be very curious to see that. Now, if I'm running NXT, I'm not 
doing that match. But like, as someone that's curious to know about his development, I'd be curious to see that. So like I said, real good match. Lots of fun. Tons of action. Strong's great. Dunn's great. Uh, Dream is great. Some of them, you know, great in different ways, but made for a fun match. So Dunn ate the pin for Velveteen Dream to retain, which I thought was curious. Because he, you know, was just brought over from NXT for this program. He was on, what, two episodes of uh, NXT TV and then this takeover and then he ate the pin? Was this just like a one-off thing to remind NXT fans, hey guys, remember Pete Dunn? Yeah, he's still here. And then just send him packing to NXT UK again. Like, I don't I don't get the point of it. Because if he ate the pin, you know, he's not the one coming back for a rematch. Or is this just 50-50 booking because he pinned Strong last week and they didn't want Strong to eat the pin again? Because if you're pushing for one of these two guys to rematch Dream, why the fuck wouldn't it have been done? He pinned Strong last week, and Strong got pinned this week by Dream, and Dunn's like, shit, I beat that challenger, and I didn't get pinned in triple threat, give me a one-on-one match. I, so I don't know. If I'm assuming it's just a one-off. I would be, you know, in two, three weeks, if Dunn's back in NXT TV, I don't know what the fuck they were doing. Other than 50-50 booking, which usually doesn't creep its way too terribly down into NXT but perhaps it did here. Perhaps, perhaps. Um, does this mean they're leading towards a strong dream rematch? Because strong didn't eat the pin here. On one level, I get that because that'd be a really good TV main event. And obviously, you know, you, you need some of those. But it just would have made more sense with Dunn. But if it's the one-off they want to protect Strong, then why would you feed him to Dunn last week? I I don't know. This is... It was bizarre for me. It was it was bizarre for me. I don't think the last few weeks of build to this match and how this match was booked is exactly how I would have done it. But listen, some, some murky booking decisions where the logic is questionable, I can handle an NXT because a lot of NXT does make sense. Moves forward wisely and briskly so every now and then they have something a little little questionable in the logic i can stand that it's fine booking territories are hard i get it so you do, do a little something wacky here whatever i can live with it doesn't mean it's not wacky but it's just it you no know, doesn't hurt the overall product especially when the match itself was good like that is the great forgiver of wrestling sins is killer matches that draw money so this was good so no one's i'm sure there will be some complaints about some of the logic of the booking, but they will be few, and they will be drowned out by the praises of the match. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey guys, just a reminder, if you want to hear all of these wonderful B-plus podcast episodes completely ad-free, make sure you head over to Patreon or Podbean, where we are the featured podcast this week. You can subscribe for as little as a dollar a month, up to $10 a month, where Anything you want to help us with, it really helps out. It's going to help us grow the site. It's going to help us redesign some things. And everything that we get through this and through the advertising as well is all going straight back into the podcast so that we can get Aussie Graps out there for the rest of the world to hear about, for the rest of the world to see, so we can grow this mission of watch global, support local, and build indie wrestling. So if you want to be a part of that and get some really cool rewards like call-in shows, bonus episodes, ad-free like I mentioned, then head over to patreon.com slash the B plus and subscribe today.
Hey everyone, just want to take a second to tell you about one of our new sponsors, Outbreak Nutrition. Outbreak Nutrition are creating supplements for survival, sharper minds, quicker reflexes, all the energy you need to take your performance to the next level, whether that be on the field, in the gym, on the gaming field. That's right, they have specifically designed gaming supplements as well to help you focus on those late night sessions. They even sell coffee, you guys, at Outbreak Nutrition. You can get coffee pods, you can get coffee beans, you can get supplements for the bedroom as well if you want to enhance your performance there. These are performance enhancing supplements for every aspect of your life, specifically designed by gamers for gamers to stay fit and healthy in the gym, to stay sharp and focused on the game, and to dominate in all areas of life. So check out OutbreakNutrition.com, and for being a listener of our podcast, they will give you 10% off your order when you enter the code B+. That is B-P-L-U-S at checkout. So make sure if you want to stay on top of your game, if you want to take your performance to the next level, OutbreakNutrition.com, enter the code B+, at checkout. Uh, next, we had Shayna Baszler defeating Mia Yim to retain the NXT Women's title. A lot of question marks about this match. Um, firstly, not not a question mark, if I can be frank. This was the worst match on the card. Um, which is a little disappointing, because both of these workers are good. So, I don't know... I don't know what went wrong, <laughs> to be completely honest. The crowd wasn't super... It wasn't a bad match, like it was fine. Maybe it's just because it's TakeOver, you have a certain level of expectations. Uh, maybe it's because all the matches before it were good. And so maybe a slightly above average match is just going to be viewed more weekly or weaker. God, my grammar sucks today. Weaker than maybe it should be just because of what came before it. And you're anticipating a really hot main event too. Maybe it was just positioned poorly. I don't know. But this match was fine. Slightly above average. I would say uh, Yim fought a little dirty in the match. Um, which I don't know if that was, if they're leaning that on her character, because really her character is like, hey, I survived the streets, I'm tough, and so I don't know if that's leaning into that character, or if they're leaning into like a street fight type rematch, the next takeover, um, I can't imagine that they would be the start of a heel turn, because they, they just did a lot of promo packages, baby facing her, so I can't imagine that they would want a heel turner, but... So, so I don't know what to silly to read into that, but I feel like it is seeds for something upcoming for either her character or for this feud. Um, and Baszler retained. So now we have Baszler, the top heel still, champion of the NXT Women's Division, with a super long title run. And Shirai, another heel, the number two heel now, winning the other women's match on this takeover. And I'm curious to see where this division goes on NXT. I, my best bet would be that Yim will get some kind of rematch. I, I, I believe it'll be a street fight rematch or something of the like. Um, just because of how she wrestled this match and doing not like, you know, cheating things, but like slightly dirty things. So I think that's what those things were doing. Um, but we'll see. There's no other top babyface that they're really making right now. I mean, unless they want to bring like Tony Storm over from NXT UK. Or if they wanted to bring a main roster person down for a feud. Which I suppose they could. I'm just like really struggling to see like... Who's the top babyface for NXT women right now after Yim losing and Kinsler Ray losing. I guess we'll fucking see, man. 
So right now, my best bet would be that Yim and Baszler get a rematch sometime down the line. In the meantime, they'll be building, hopefully, a couple of strong baby faces um, to foil Shirai and Baszler. Maybe Baszler retain over Yim and Baszler will start a face term and defend against Shirai. I don't know. Because right now, there's not a lot, of, a lot of other top women in the NXT women's division. So we'll move on from that with a lot of question marks going forward for the women of NXT into our even more complicated main event with Adam Cole retaining the NXT title over Johnny Gargano in what was essentially a three stages of hell match, which I don't know why the fuck they didn't call it three stages of hell. Clearly that's what it was. Triple H had a really good one with Austin, you know, whatever the fuck, 15 years back, 20 years back, I don't know. And I'm sure ever since then he thought these matches were awesome because he had an awesome match. And listen, I don't know Triple H personally. I do not know Paul Levesque. Never met the guy. But, like, can we all agree that he's probably an egomaniac? Like, I mean, maybe that's a bit of a strong word, but this dude's at least full of himself. Like, come on, let's be real. So, uh, and I'm sure that led to the booking of this match. Because I thought this feud, I really enjoyed through the first two matches. So, Chamba had to relinquish the title. They needed a main event to challenge for the vacant NXT title, so they picked Cole and Cargano for logical reasons, and they had a two out of three falls match for the vacant title, which made sense to me. Because usually in a title match, you have a champion's advantage, and if there's any kind of, you know, non-decision, it just stays with the champion. But when the title is vacant, you want to do something that has, um, you know, uh, backups and contingencies for if there's a DQ or a countout, and you want a definitive winner. Since neither of these guys are beating the previous champion, a two out of three falls match establishes that, yes, this person is the definitive winner, the new champion of NXT. So that made total sense having a two out of three falls match for the vacant title. Cole gets the first pin, Gargano gets the second two. Or the first fall, Gargano gets the second two. So then Cole does a great heel thing where he lost a match squarely, fairly, according to the previously agreed upon rules, but he comes back and complains that like, oh yeah, well, I mean, it was a two out of three falls match and I got the first fall. Yeah, if it was a normal match, see, I'd be champion. That's what a heel does. That's what annoying people do. They lost fairly and squarely and they complain about the rules that they had agreed upon before the match, okay? It's a heel thing. It makes sense. And so Gargano's like, dude, fuck you. Let's go one more time at the next takeover. And they did. And there's a one full match because that's what Cole was complaining about. And that's traditionally what a title match is. So that completely made sense. And it was awesome. And I loved that second match even more than the first one. I went the full five on the second match. My On my scale, it's a zero to five stars. I don't go negative and I don't go over five. But that's just me. You have whatever scale you want. I went the full five on that, on that rematch. Takeover 25. Fucking loved it. Thought it was brilliant. Thought it played off their first match great. Tons of action. Crowd was hot. Loved it. And so up until that point, the feud really was about who's better. Who can perform better in the ring? And then, after Cole won that second match, they were tied. Because if you're measuring it just by matches, they were tied one match apiece. If you're measuring it by falls, they were tied two falls apiece. And so, to me, it made all the sense in the world that there was going to be a third match. And I'm thinking this feud up until this point has just been all about who's better in the ring. And so I was thinking a 60-minute Iron Man match would have been the perfect way to settle that feud. Because what better way to decide who's better as a professional wrestler than to see who can get the most falls in this really long time limit? You know, because you can't do a two out of three falls match. I've already done that. 
Can't just do a straight up traditional match. I've already done that. So let's do a 60 minute Iron Man match. See who's better. And I obviously want to do more than three falls because you've already done a three fall match. And I personally would have preferred to have, you know, maybe had one person to definitively end this feud. One person win by two falls. You know, maybe that'd be going too far, but that's, that's getting nippy. We won't get into that. That's where I wanted this feud to go. Instead, they decided to make it personal. Have Cole fly to fucking Ohio. Do his bullshit with Johnny's training school or whatever the fuck. And now Johnny's all pissed and he's got to be the big bravado machismo dick swinging douche to come and defend his honor or whatever the fuck. Which leads to uh, this two out of three falls match again, but this time with Stips, i.e. a three stages of hell match. And Johnny's like, I'm going to do a street fight because I'm pissed. And Cole just wants to prove he's better. I think it was positioned as he's scared, so he picked the traditional match, and then Regal would pick the third one if it went to it. So I didn't. It didn't go in the direction that I wanted this feud to go in, but that's fine. These guys had two great matches. I'm sure this. Like I'm fine. I'm sure a personal grudge match that's gonna get uh, weapony is is gonna be good too and fun too. So I'm still really looking forward to this match, and I really enjoyed the first fall. They were doing the whole thing where, like, we've had two classic matches against each other. We know each other so well. So not only are we countering each other's moves, but we're avoiding each other's moves entirely. We're, like, countering counters and shit. It built off their previous two matches. Made sense. I liked it. Really enjoyed it. Until the actual first fall itself. When Gargano, for some illogical reason, grabs a fucking chair and beats the shit out of Adam Cole and gets DQ'd for Cole to go up 1-0. What the fuck? I, listen. So, stuff like that makes more sense to me in an Iron Man match, like when Brock did it against Angle on SmackDown all those years ago. Because it's like, you beat, it's a regular Iron Man match, you beat the shit out of a guy, and yeah, you lose a DQ fall, but you get a pin right away to even it up, and now you have the advantage. So an Iron Man match doesn't make sense to me, but when there's only three falls match, max, you're going to just give one up like that? Motherfucker, you have a street fight next, just wait. And I know that's the story. Oh, he was so angry, he was so pissed, he couldn't wait. It just makes the baby face look dumb. Stop. And then secondly, because Cole ended up winning the motherfucking match, one of his two falls was by DQ. He won this two out of three falls match with one of the falls being DQ. That's not how you settle a feud. Jesus Christ, is this thing going to go on? Are they going to have a fourth fucking match on TV? Just fucking end it. End it here. Good God Almighty, this is not that fucking complicated. Jesus. I thought that was dumb as shit. We get to the second fall, which was a street fight. Battling all over the arena, which usually isn't my favorite thing, and I didn't enjoy it here either. Really, unless your name is Roosh in L.A. Park, I'm probably not going to enjoy it. um, Because it's just not my type of thing. So unless you're very, very high level at, like, crowd brawling, I'm most likely not going to give a shit about it. So, uh, once they got, you know, back towards the ring and stuff, it was fine. Weapon stuff was fine. Still enjoying it. Um, and Gargano gets the second fall. Second fall was fine. Still a lot of good stuff in there. And then this uh, cage started descending for the third fall, which is clearly what uh, Regal selected, with all of these goddamn weapons attached to the cage and this barbed wire strung up all throughout the top of it. 
And I'm like, what the fuck? This is a feud where two-thirds of it was just about who's better. And I thought it was going to conclude that way, with a, or at least hoping it was going to conclude that way with a 60-minute Iron Man match. And here we are with fucking fire extinguishers and barbed wire and all of this crazy-ass shit that just feels so over-the-top after such a, I hate to use this word, realistic feud that it felt out that the t- it felt tone deaf compared to where the feud had been up until tonight. It was even the street fight made more sense than all of this gimmickry shit to me. It was it just felt so bizarre. It felt absurd. Now, long time listeners to me know I'm fine with absurd wrestling. I'm fine with sci-fi wrestling. I'm fine with satirical wrestling. But that's not what this was at all. It just felt so pro wrestling in the worst ways. It felt over-the-top in the worst way to me. Now, that said, there was still some cool shit in this third act, in this third fall. So I don't, like, there was stuff I enjoyed in every single fall. Truly. There was a lot of stuff I liked about this match. All of the work, I, uh, maybe I shouldn't say all. All, Most of the work was very, very crisp and clean, well executed. There was some good selling. Like, there was good stuff in this match. I just felt like it got too out of hand from what I loved about this feud in the first place. So this match was by far my least favorite of their trilogy. Not even close. I went a full five on their second match, which is my favorite. I went maybe like four and a half, four and three quarters. I can't remember on their first match. This one I went three and three quarters. Because there was a lot of stuff I liked. But some of the booking decisions just weighted down so heavily for me. And the finish of the third fall, I don't even understand. Gargano cuts off, uses some pliers to cut off some barbed wire, and him and Cole end up under the top of the cage, and he's trying to get it around Cole, like, it's weird to me, and they both just fall off. It wasn't like a Russian leg sweep. It wasn't like a move happening. They both just kind of fall off the cage through two tables, and Cole just drapes an arm over Gargano and gets the one, two, three. So that barbed wire really didn't play in the finish because it's not like one of them was like using it to pull the other person or to bleed the other person and they shoved him off. Like they both just kind of fell. A move didn't happen. But for some reason, Cole was able to get his arm over Gargano and Gargano wasn't able to move. They both just took the same thing. What the fuck? So that was so bizarre to me. But Cole retained... Which hopefully would lead you to believe this feud is over, because it's not like there was a title change and the former champion is going to demand a rematch or be front of the line if he gets a few big wins or anything. You'd hope this puts Gargano back of the line if he stays in NXT. But again, one of Cole's falls was by DQ, so I can't really trust in that. It's like, this might go on. They might have a TV main event at one point. Which I would hope to God Cole wins and just ends this fucking thing. Because right now, I feel about this feud like Old Yeller. Just end it. (sighs) So that's how I felt about this complicated main event for me on a feud that I had loved really up until this point. I still think keeping the feud about who's better and figuring out a match type to best settle that um, that hadn't been done before would have been an Iron Man match. That's what I wanted. This match ended up going an hour anyway. So time would have not have been the reason to not do a 60-minute Iron Man match. 
So that's that's what I wanted. It's not what I got. What I got was a complicated piece of garbage. Not piece of garbage. A lot of stuff I liked. A lot of stuff I liked in this match. I don't know, man. It was just not my cup of tea. Overall, this was a thumbs up takeover. I want to reiterate that. A lot of good wrestling. Uh, some good decisions on it. Some bad decisions on it. But overall, thumbs up show for me. Really curious to see where take where uh, NXT as a whole goes from here. Strong indication they're going to FS1 live Wednesdays from 7 to 9. Exactly head to head against AEW this fall. Tentative plans, I believe, was the quote from Wrestling Observer News Newsletter, Steve Meltzer. It's going to be a brave new world for NXT going forward. Got some time to reposition themselves. Get ready for that. So very, very curious times ahead for the black and gold brand. Anyway, that's all I got to say about NXT TakeOver Toronto 2019 from Saturday, August 10th. This has been the Wrestling and Landscape Podcast. I am your host, Lance Larson. Thank you all so much for listening and take care.